anyone can take a picture. Everyone has a phone with that function. We take pictures of ourselves, our food, our vacations, our friends, our family. How often do we take a picture of a fire truck, an emergency vehicle, a police car? Amateur photographer Aaron McLam captured a photo of Ladder 118 fire truck as it crossed the Brooklyn Bridge. Aaron McLam was pausing at his work at a Jehovah's Witness facility where he prints Bibles. He then noticed the smoke in the air. This would be no ordinary picture, and this would be no ordinary day. You're listening to the podcast, The Story Is, the podcast where we talk about the past, the present, and the personal. This episode is entitled, Look for the Helpers. As we continue our series looking at the events of September the 11th, not for mourning purposes, though there are those who mourn, not nearly just for the sake of memory though we shouldn't forget, but for those who rose to the occasion. There is a quote by Mr. Rogers where he he talks about his mother and how when bad things happen, she encouraged him to look for the helpers, even in a disaster, look to those who were helping. That's what this episode is about today. And much of what I'm about to tell you is from the New York Daily News and from an article from allthatsinteresting.com that's entitled, The Story Behind the 9-11 Photo of a Doomed Fire Truck Heading Toward the Twin Towers. This article is by Hannah McKinnick. We start with Mr. McLam. He said, It was almost surreal being that high up looking at everything going on down below, McLam told the New York Daily News. You couldn't hear the crackling of the fire or the creaking of the buildings. The only thing we could hear were the sirens of the fire trucks going across the bridge. On Ladder 118, their duty was to go forward, no matter the danger. They smelled the smoke, heard the crackling of the fire, the creaking of the buildings, and any fear they felt was left at the fire station. As the bright red truck approached halfway up the Brooklyn Bridge, the burning towers of the World Trade Center dominated the skyline for the last time. McLam's picture captured the Brooklyn Heights Ladder Company's final run. These are the members of that crew. Shortly after 9-11, Bonnie Burke wrote a short entry for each firefighter of Ladder 118. The complete write-up can be found on brooklynheightsblog.com. Vernon Cherry had been planning to retire at the end of the year. 49-year-old had worked as a firefighter for nearly 30 years 
and had made a name for himself during that time. Not only was he one of the few black firefighters in New York in 2001, he was also a talented singer. In fact, he was the official singer for the fire department. Had he survived, he would have sang at every benefit and service that followed 9-11. He had started out singing as a child at Showtime at the Apollo, when he appeared at the, on the same card as the Jackson 5 before they became famous. Leon Smith was a proud member of the Vulcan Society, an organization for black firefighters. He had always wanted to help people and had been in the FDNY since 1982. Leon loved people, his mom Irene Smith said. His motto was, If I can help one person, my life will not have been in vain. She recalled that when he was only ten, he gave his coat to a friend who had none. I have three coats, he told her. As a child, Leon always knew he wanted to become a firefighter, and his mom couldn't keep him from hanging out at the local firehouse. In the year before 9-11, his mom had urged Vernon to retire, but he replied, I have three girls to put through college. Maybe then I'll think about it. Joseph Agnello was looking forward to celebrating his upcoming 36th birthday when Ladder 118 got the call for 9-11. He was a proud father with two young sons. At the firehouse, Joe spent every spare moment studying for the very technical lieutenant's exam so that he could provide better for his family. He had received a commendation for meritorious service and was soon to be promoted, but he had planned on taking the exam again to improve his score. He never sat still, Carbone said. He was one of the best students we had, and there was no doubt in my mind that he was going further. Lieutenant Robert Bobby Regan was also a family man. He had started his career as a civil engineer, but joined the FDNY when his daughter was born in order to spend more time with her. When Lieutenant Bobby Regan pulled an unconscious man out of a raging apartment fire on Clinton Street a couple months before 9-11, he should have gotten a medal. But when Regan wrote up the report, he shared all the credit with his team. The chief told him to rewrite the report so they could give him his award, but he never did it, said firefighter John Sorrentino. He was so unselfish and unassuming, you could be deceived into thinking he wasn't that skilled, Tony Carbone said. Lieutenant Pat Abentonello said he never knew Bobby had a civil engineering degree from Manhattan College. A lot of us just don't want the corporate world, Abingdonello explained. He was a great guy. We had eight officers with very distinct personalities here, yet we all meshed. We did whatever we had to do to run the ship smoothly, and had fun doing it. Bobby was a great family man, too. His widow, Donna, said, 9-11, when he didn't call home, I immediately knew he was missing. He always called home. Marty Egan was such a great captain, according to firefighter Danny Lopez, was that he was very bright, he had a great rapport with the guys, and he knew his stuff. His men would follow him anywhere. He continued, because he wouldn't ask them to do anything he wouldn't do, and he would go first. 
if he was taking a probie, a probationary firefighter, into a dangerous situation, he'd have the probie hold on to the back of his jacket. Pete Vega spent six years in the U.S. Air Force, serving in Desert Storm before being honorably discharged. He became a firefighter in 1995, and in 2001, he had just completed his B.A. in Liberal Arts from the City College of New York. According to his fellow firefighters, Peter Vega was passionate about everything. He was a voracious reader of all kinds of subjects, said George Clancy. He was also known for leading long and animated debates at the firehouse. Pete had also served in the Air Force and had seen the world before joining the department. But at the top of his passions were family and firefighting. Scott Davison, father of the Saturday Night Live star Pete Davidson, began his firefighting career just a year before Vega. He was known for his humor, his heart of gold, and he loved Christmas. No matter how dire a situation or somber an occasion, Scott Davison, a seven-year veteran, could be counted on to say something completely unexpected and hilarious to break the tension and lift everyone's spirits. Descriptions of Scott's humor range from unprintable to off-the-wall to he was into shock value, but all agreed it, was always to, it always took you by surprise and was absolutely hysterical. Scott had a knack for speaking the unspeakable. When an official came and launched into a mind-numbing speech, Davidson would speak right up discourteously, thanking the official for taking the time to come by and pay them a visit. Scott had a million friends, and when he started at Ladder 118, many chiefs and officers called, saying, Please look out for my buddy. I remember telling one of my colleagues, Here comes Ladder 118, McLam said. As it roared by, he managed to capture the image before it reached the city. He didn't know that this photo would come to represent the sacrifice of hundreds of first responders during the 9-11 attacks. After crossing the bridge, Ladder 118 pulled into the doomed Marriott World Trade Center. The six firefighters went up the stairs and helped many guests escape. Bobby Grafham, mechanic at the hotel, was quoted as saying, They knew what was going on, and they went down with their ship. They weren't going to leave until everyone got out. They must have saved a couple hundred people that day. I know they saved my life. Ultimately, it was totaled that 900 people were saved that day. McLam gave his photo to the New York Daily News, and days later, it was on the front page. The picture of the doomed fire truck represents patriotism, heroism, and the tragedy of that day. Lives saved and lives lost. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, said retired firefighter John Sorrentino. I don't think there's any word that describes that picture. What happened that day will never be forgotten. And those men will never be forgotten. We won't let that happen. We shouldn't forget the heroes of 9-11 or our everyday heroes. When tragedy strikes, it's natural to focus and remember the horror of the day. 
one way to carry on is to focus on those who rise to meet these tragedies. Heroes like firefighters, police officers, emergency services, doctors, nurses, and others that run toward the danger that so many of us run away from. I didn't know the names of the firefighters from Ladder 118 until doing this podcast. I hope in this small way it serves a reminder that dangerous occupations have people in those uniforms. They are more than just a job title. And in every day, there is no guarantee that they, they will make it home. Despite disasters, both natural and unnatural, wildfires, arsonists, earthquakes, and pipe bombs, they go forward no matter the danger, so we can make it back home. The Fireman's Prayer is a poem that was written by firefighter A.W. Smokey Lynn. As a young firefighter in 1958, Lynn and his crew responded to a fire in which three children were trapped behind security bars and because of that died in the fire. His granddaughter Penny McLaughlin said that back then there were no grief counselors to help firefighters. Penny believes this poem was actually a prayer from him to God for the sake of his own family, the other firemen, and the families of the children. The Fireman's Prayer Fireman's Prayer When I am called to duty, God Whenever flames may rage Give me the strength to save some life, whatever be its age. Help me to embrace a little child before it is too late, or some older person from the horror of that fate. Enable me to be alert and hear the weakest shout, and quickly and efficiently put the fire out. I want to fill my calling and give the best in me, to guard my neighbor and protect his property. And if according to your will I have to lose my life, Bless, please, with your protecting hand, my children and my wife. Next time, we remember our heroes, don't we? We build them statues, but what about their health insurance? Heroes don't need that when they have a statue, right? That's next time. I'm Sam Logan. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Thanks for listening.